Coming up with 30 games to go in the season, we predict if these Brooklyn Nets can still make that run to the ever-elusive 10th seed, plus some other bold predictions on individual players all coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you'll find Doug Nori. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen today. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use promo code all lowercase NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And Doug, when we talk about as I saw at the top, an elusive 10th seed. Sometimes goals are different for NBA teams, and the Brooklyn Nets are just trying to win basketball games and maybe make the back half of this season a little more exciting for the fan base. Look, 21 and 31, definitely lower than we thought they were going to be at this point of the season, especially, you know, 20 games in or whatever, when we famously did a podcast that said, are the next actually good? Um, and it was kind of all downhill. I mean, literally from the time we hit post on that podcast uh, for, and then only making a small resurgence now back into the world of possibly respectable, but 10 games under 500. There's been a lot to not like about this season, but I'm feeling pretty good as we enter these last 30 games of the season, sort of about where the nets are, the moves they made at the trade deadline, you know, even marginal stuff who we might see more of. They're trending toward relative health here. We're going to go through a lot of the different stuff, but I think 30 games to go, the nets are clearly in a better spot than they were for many parts of the last like two plus months, I would say. And yeah. that is a good feeling. It's much easier to talk about a team that seems to be tre trending in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, listen, Ben Simmons is healthy and playing basketball right now, right? Like that, that's something that is hard to always bank on, but that's what we have in front of us. We think that Spencer Dinwiddie for whatever number of reasons, didn't want to be here anymore. In comes Dennis Schroeder and the, the one-to-one -one lateral move looks like it may have actually been a real improvement for this team and for the connectivity across the starting and secondary units. You have health coming back now. Dayron Sharp's going to be returning. Lonnie Walker is already back and going to start building up his minutes. Cameron Johnson is hopefully right around the corner. So to your point, listen, once upon a time, this was a 13 and 10 roster. And I, I think that was even without Ben Simmons. We said, yeah, they, they can kind of trend on this line. When you go into an absolute spiral as they did over 27 games, it's hard. It's hard to come out of that and paint a picture of positivity. But if we just look at the team in front of us right now, I would say, and the schedule, which we'll get into, I would say there is a path here in what is a very weak back end of the Eastern Conference for this team still to accomplish the goal, which I know we laugh at it sometimes, but making the play-in tournament and just having a one-off chance to officially make the top eight seeds, that means something to this team, and I actually think they have a path to do so. No, look, at this point, uh, Nets fans and all of us need to align ourselves with the team's mission, right? I, I think it's always yes. good to be, for some fluidity in terms of fandom to sort of understand what a team is trying to do and to maybe be okay with it if that's going to mean maybe taking a step back, step backward. The Nets have chosen not to do that this year. Um, it's fine. Now, knowing that, clear the trade deadline, knowing who's on this team, knowing where they are in the standings, I think we can, I, you know, you, you joke about it because – you know, the idea here is like, oh, you know, can you root for the play? And as we've talked about many times, success is 
have we said this? I mean, ad nauseum here. Success is uh, performance over expectation, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we are just going to go into this, these last 30 games, be like, hey, you know, it'd be nice. Some playoff ish basketball on the play in. And maybe we fight into a playoff, you know, a low end playoff seed and we get a few more games out of it. That's I, that's a great outcome, I think, yeah. at this point with where the team is and something that they can definitely build off of going into next year. If they can stay healthy, if they can play sort of in a connected way, which we've seen them be able to do. Simmons brings a huge piece to this team that they desperately have needed all season long. If he's able to stay healthy, if Schroeder is able to contribute, we're going to talk about some of these other guys, other specific guys and predictions as well. But if you just look at the team from this angle, going where they are now to where we're sort of rooting for them to become, I, I have a pretty good feeling about it. As long as they can stay healthy, we've seen this team be able to sort of overperform expectation against even very good teams in the league. They've gone through some bumpy parts. They've had a lot of injuries. They don't have as much margin for error as some other teams. But if we're looking at just fighting into that into that play in and maybe really disrupting and being a team that kind of no one wants to play, I'm I'm willing to sign up for that. I think that's a I think that's a cool outcome. Now we'll get into as you mentioned some individual performances that could matter here and also fine detail the schedule and where it stands. But just to cap off what what feels like the ultimate prediction here at the top. Is this team going to make the play-in tournament? That's the question that we assert to, to ourselves, to one another, to the fan base. I believe that they will. We talked about this a little bit on the bonus the other day. You go look at their schedule, fourth easiest strength of schedule, and that doesn't mean always as much when you are one of the you know lower-level teams around the league. But we'll get into the schedule, the number of times that they play bad Eastern Conference teams, and it's going to be fascinating because over the next 10 games, there are some difficult matchups in there. So I, I think they get to 37 wins. I think that's enough to be in the conversation with the Atlanta Hawks, potentially even with the Chicago Bulls, depending on how their season goes, to have that discussion of head-to-head -head comes into play. And if they beat Atlanta in those two pivotal meetings, this could be a team that at 37 wins still gets into that 10th seed in the play-in tournament. Yeah, uh, and I think like I, I think that again, like just to reiterate, like that's something that we can sign up for. If they're gonna, that's where they're going to be. If this is the, and I think that, and I think the cool reason to sort of latch on to this is I do believe in a one-off like they can really give a lot of different, a, a few different teams problems, yeah. right? If it's, if, if and now, you know, playing is not a one-off, right? Like you got to sometimes, you know, win two, you know, <laughs> uh, win two just to kind of keep advancing, right? So like, it's going to depend on where they end up landing with ultimate seeding. But I think that like, with that understanding, if they were able to go into that, fi those final, that final game, those final games, I think they really would offer some real matchup problems for some of these other teams that are in this mix, like Orlando, like Miami, who's been dealt a ton of injuries here. Uh, Chicago, we already sort of know what they are. And you mentioned Atlanta, who has um, a bunch of weaknesses. So, yeah, I, I think that like this is a team that can definitely compete at least one or two games with a lot of this group. Yeah, playoff series with the group above them, obviously not so much, but that's fine. This is where we are. Sean Marks and company have decided on the path for the rest of the season. And I think that it's, I think that they're in a position now. If you had asked me like two weeks ago about this, I think the, the tenor of this conversation would have been much different. But mm -hmm. where they are now as of this podcast recording, I think you have to feel pretty positive about where they're going. Coming up here in a second, we'll detail the players that matter a lot, including Ben Simmons, including the return of Dayron Sharp here as well, and then detail the schedule, why I believe there are very winnable games, and I think the Nets can also steal a couple against stronger opponents. We get into that in just one moment. All right, before we get to that, 
I'll tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Look, we've been telling you about Prize Picks forever. It's demon time over on Prize Picks. You can win up to a hundred times your money with as few as four correct picks. You can turn ten dollars into a thousand dollars over on Prize Picks. Demons and Goblins, the newest and most exciting way to play over at Prize Picks. If you go into Prize Picks, the squares with uh, red demons or green goblins, they're going to give you different payouts. Uh, that's because some are just a little more more manageable. Some are going to be a little harder to attain when it comes to the more or less on those prize picks projections. But like I said, you can win up to 100 times your money just with those four correct picks. Prize picks figured out the best ways to do daily fantasy, which is to go more or less on the prize picks projections. When it's coming to NBA, you're going different players. You're going points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. You can combine it with other sports. Uh, right now, obviously, NFL just went uh, went away, but MLB right around the corner. It's all there for you on prize picks. All you got to do, you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code Lockdown NBA. You're going to get a first deposit match up to $100. Remember, Demons and Goblins, $10 into 1000 If you play your card right, go to prizepicks.com slash Lockdown NBA. Code Lockdown NBA, first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, so as we continue today's Locked On Nets episode, talking about predictions. Can this team make the playoffs? That's really the, the one that matters the most here. We can also talk about some individual accomplishments over the back end of this season, 30 games to go. We remind you, get over to wegotnets.com, sign up for the free ebook with your email, five stories in five days, all about some of the biggest moments in Nets history. Also going to keep you dialed in as we roll out some additional content over on wegotnets.com. Sign up for your free ebook today. Now, we can talk about the schedule here, but the one thing that I think matters in terms of returning players and why I'm, I'm you know, let's say bullish, I'll, I'll be that bold to use the term bullish on the Nets having a successful 30-game run here, is that when you think about where this team has been in key statistical categories, one of them is rebounding. Even though they've been without Dayron Sharp, they are still in the rebound category for the NBA, sixth overall in the league right now. If you add Dayron Sharp into that mix and you've had a healthy Ben Simmons who helps that and helps the guards, the off, you know, four fives, you know, grab some of those defensive rebounds, especially making their lives easier, getting out in the transition game. I think the fact that you still can look inside of categories here, the assist category, they're still top half in that stat line as well. There are things here that tell you the record is not necessarily as, as indicative of the quality of this team. Some of the injuries have piled up in really poor ways that have really made for bad runs over that, what do we say, 27-game you know, streak where they only had seven wins. So I actually think they're maybe a little bit better than the record tells you right in this moment. I agree, too. I mean, I think that they're, uh, the BPI stuff, because they're only minus 1.3 in the season uh, in terms of just point differential, which would play better than a 21-31 and 31 record. Like, maybe, you know, it's, I think it's good for like two and a half more wins or something like that. Not a massive number, but, I mean, it would be material for where they are in terms of the standings right now because they were... You know, they've, they've lost more close games than they've won is mm -hmm. one way to think about this team. Now, they went up through a stretch where they were getting sort of blown out. But if we think back to the beginning of the year, too, even some of their losses were all of a cl very close variety, right? They were just not able to get over the hump. They gave away leads. Like, there was just different sort of circumstances that caught, that came together for them to just lose some of the close ones. And they've had, they've, you know, they've been able to hand out some blowouts as well. But if you look at point differential, they do read as a slightly better team, even with, you know, I mean, say what you want about Simmons, removing 42 million off your books in terms of player is like a problem that any team would have, yeah. right? Go through, go through all the teams, except for like maybe Zach Levine right now, where they've removed a huge money player and the team's been better. 
I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I guess there are some examples, but it's, it's, that's rarely going to happen. So you figure you get that, the, that skill set back on the court. You mentioned Aaron Sharp with the rebounding. He's really actually one of the best per minute rebounders in the whole league and offensive and defensive rebounding percentage too. Only Andre Drummond is better than him uh, over the course of the season. I believe, I believe he was second. Now he's been out for a while here, but the ankle injury is like not something that you have to kind of worry about going forward, right? Mm -hmm. Like this was just your standard injury. You're not worried about this kind of cropping back up. And I think that like away you go little more concerned about Cam Johnson because there has been, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's dealt with a bunch of different things this year. I don't know if you can lock in his availability like sort of for the rest of the year. But if you figure Jalen Johnson's giving up you know, sort of part of what he's been doing too, I, you know, it's not, it's nice to be, get him be for sure. Nice to get him back. But I don't think it's like, it's not, a, it's not a critical here. I like, I, I guess my point is like they're going into this part of the stretch of the season with significantly more live bodies than they've had for long stretches as well. And in some regards, not to put down Cameron Johnson, but he has underperformed expectations in a lot of ways this season. So, yeah. you know, if this was Cam Johnson coming into the year, as far as what we expected for him, well, we'd be talking about, we thought we'd be, we could be losing an 18, 20, 21 point score this year. Well, instead it turns out he's more 15, 16 up and down, right? Gives you some good run. Also has some games where he disappears for lengths of quarters. And then the injuries, let alone the other big thing for me that I'll point to here as well is not only Cam Thomas, because his game has obviously evolved over the course of this season. So you can project him being a more important factor over 30 games than he was even over the first 52. But then on top of that, his play with Mikhail Bridges has looked better and better in recent games. His play off of Ben Simmons has looked better and better. Even the introduction of Dennis Schroeder for just one game kind of indicated to me, in addition to Dayron just getting back on the court, that he and Nicholas Claxton had instant chemistry. Looks like that free flow, that pace of play is going to help them. So I, I can see this team getting back to, and you saw it when, when Simmons first returned, getting back to what we thought one of their core identities was going to be. Get up and down the court, right? Fast transition games. That makes it easier for Claxton to be effective. Makes it easier for Dayron Sharp to be effective. So there are a couple of, of tandems here that I don't think we, you know, beginning of the season, we couldn't dream on Cam Thomas and Mikhail Bridges being a nice combination because they never played together because they, they were, they were refusing to start Cam Thomas or refusing to give him big minutes. Now you can look at it as these guys are stable. These guys are going to play a night in night out. And we've kind of gone under the radar with the fact that Mikhail Bridges by and large over the last few weeks has been kind of that best version of himself that we thought we were getting coming into the season. Like we saw 27 games last year. Yeah, and I'd say that's probably another underrated piece too. It's like if you think Bridges can kind of turn a corner into consistency too. And by the way, there's plenty of things that are going to hear that that line up to really help him too, right? Having Dennis Schroeder there with more ball handling capabilities helps Bridges, helps yeah. Cam Thomas too. Having Ben Simmons as more of a distributor that's really just sort of elite at finding optimal shot, optimal mm -hmm. teammate shots, right? Like that's Simmons's core competency on offense is recognizing spacing understanding which teammate is in the best shot position to take a pass, right? And that, or excuse me, take a shot with a pass. And that for guys like Bridges, like that really, really helps. It takes a significant amount like of the load of the offense off their shoulders. Cause how many times do we see this season where it was like the offense was stuck in the, in the mud, right? Then yeah. was kind of out of the play. It, the balls and bridges are Thomas's hand. They're trying to beat a defender one-on-one. -on -one. It's kind of not happening. This happens with Bridges a few more, a little bit more than Cam Thomas, but um, you know, it's not really happening. And now we're just looking at sort of like a contested long two, a contested yeah. shot at the rim where Bridges has struggled to finish at times, right? Like these things where the defense can really lock in 
on what the Nets are trying to do and basically snuff it out. Right. And, and it's not like the Nets had a lot of other options either, because it's not like they would just go through long stretches where no one else seemed to want to like get the offense going. And this is when like Lonnie Walker's hurt, right? There's just like, they've had lots of issues. So if they're able to clear up some of these things and have floor raising guys like Dennis Schroeder, like Ben Simmons on the court to kind of cure the exact problems they had when they went through these rough stretches. I mean, these were the exact problem. Like these are the exact guys they needed. They needed Dinwiddie to be this guy. He wasn't. They needed anyone to be like Simmons, which very few guys are. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like things just kind of break down and look terrible. And, and that's why it's like, I, and I really hate getting over my skis on the confidence that Simmons stays healthy because this is one way to just break your heart in terms mm -hmm. of a fan, like as a fan, because he's just proven that he really can't or hasn't been able to for long stretches over multiple seasons. But I can feel myself going there because I just want the, I just want this to be the outcome for where the Nets are right now. Right, yeah, and because we saw how they came out of the deadline, right? They made the choices. They, for the most part, stuck with the core that they have. As you say, listen, addition by subtraction. We're not trying to – I just talked with the Kamenetsky brothers on Locked On Lakers asking for a scouting report on Spencer Dinwiddie. I did my best to paint a picture of a player that could be a contributor for them. It didn't look that way for Brooklyn, right? So getting in a guy that looks hungry in Schroeder really matters here. And you also – we didn't even highlight, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith obviously has missed some time with injury too. I, I don't know what to expect from a Bates-Diop if he ever sees the court. But if you think about it in the premise of, well, Trendon Watford sometimes, we mentioned Jalen Wilson, where is he going to fit in the hierarchy? Just having another live body as an option, I think at least creates some more of that versatility that the, the Nets seem to want to build themselves on to start the year and got derailed very quickly coming off of it. In a second here, I want to go through. You know what's sweet about having 30 games left? 10 game chunks. I'll go ahead and break it down, boys. Top to bottom, how Brooklyn gets to a 37 win total and finds themselves bumping Atlanta clean out of the playing tournament. We get into that coming up next. All right. Before we get to that, I'll tell you about this next segment is brought to you, brought to us by our sponsor, Better Help. Look, sometimes you just need the opportunity to get something off our chest. It could be a big thing, it could be a small thing. Sometimes these little things can just really start to get to you. It's important to let it out especially with someone who's unbiased in, her, in your life, who's going to be able to see things very clearly, who you're just going to be able to tell things to that you might not be able to tell other people in your life. This is where BetterHelp comes into play. BetterHelp is online therapy. They're going to help you get matched with a licensed therapist who's going to suit your needs and be someone that you really want to talk to. Yeah, you can switch at any time. Uh, it's there for you, and the person's going to be there to listen to you. Um, you can just make sure that you're working on the things that are working well in your life, Try to work on the things that you think you need to improve on. This is where therapy can really step in, can really kind of fill in the cracks, but also work on the big stuff as well. This is where BetterHelp can get you started. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible. It's totally suited to your schedule. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. Get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. Go to betterhelp.com today. All right, so as we tie a bow on the Locked On Nets podcast, talking about predictions, final 30 games. Before we get into it, you had a bit of a, a bold prediction about the back end of this season before we get into the schedule and into if we think this team officially does make that play-in tournament. Um, bullish, Ben Simmons, he ends up winning an award that doesn't exist, comeback player of the year NBA. Uh, okay, this is, I don't think he's going to win, but right now over on FanDuel, our friends over at FanDuel, Cam Thomas is sitting eighth and most improved at plus 11,000. I, I don't think he's a, a favorite to win because I think Tyrese Maxey, who's the favorite now, is going to look even better statistically because of Embiid, right? Yeah. So I think they're going to like get to the end. Of, he, they've lost, he was already the favorite, and now the team's just kind of all turned over to him. 
That being said, I do think Cam Thomas will finish like much higher in this voting. Like mm-hmm. by the time it's all said and done in terms of most improved. Now he's not going to be eligible for six man, which we thought he might qualify for earlier in the season, but he's just going to end up starting too many games. So good for the nets. But I think he can end up leapfrogging guys like Jalen Wilson, maybe even Jalen Johnson. Cause I think he's going to be set up to have some really big scoring nights still going forward and being a consistent starter, which he should be the rest of the year now. Like, I don't think that's going to go back and forth at all. So I don't think he's going to win. I wouldn't put in on it because I just think it's super long odds for a reason, but I do think he's going to get sort of like recognized at the end of the year as having like be more of a national thing. Like this guy improved massively over the course of the year. And I think a part of it's going to be instability of play, uh, and also just overall performance, which he's really had no problem with, right? It's really not been a performance issue for him. It's just been a playing time issue. And I don't think that's going to be a problem with him going forward. And he's about a half a point right now. We've already seen big games from him behind Mikhail Bridges to lead the team in scoring. I think he's going to leapfrog Mikhail by the end Agreed. of the year too. We talked yeah. about him being the obvious lead, lead scorer for this team, the focal point of the offense that everything kind of plays off of. In addition to that, before we talk schedule, I will just point out too, that right now the Brooklyn Nets are 16th at 115.2 points per game defensively. But they do remain a team that has surrendered the ninth best in terms of opposition field goal percentage, 46.8. And there's one other one here that is a big one that I actually think turns a bit of a corner over these last 30 games, and that's the three-point shooting. We said they scramble a lot. Sometimes they have a hard time staying at home on their assignments, the switching defenses, whatever the case may be. 24th they give up 38 percent from beyond the arc this is a team that has played better defensively of late and i think you get daron sharp back with ben simmons with nicholas claxton right this is a team even mikhail bridges gets to kind of slot into better defensive matchups maybe can be a little more defensive minded i think this team will elevate almost across all of those categories over this back 30 and i think by the end of this we'll come back to the beginning of the year defense was going to be one of their core identities. I think we'll talk about that, especially in some of these fourth quarter late game sequences where they actually are able to use lineups that really clamp down even on some of the better shooting teams in the league. Yeah, that's a great point. The defense is almost definitely going to improve. I mean, if they can keep these guys back in the all in the mix, just, I mean, really just getting like Dorian Finney-Smith back plus Claxton plus whatever Simmons can give you. I, I, I think that like the defense should be able to be much better. I think they'll be able to switch schemes a little bit more too. Like we'll see some drop. They've been switching, I mean, significantly more of late, um, which makes sense. But I think we'll see them mix up the coverages a little bit now that they've done both. Um, they've done even a little zone at times, but not not really. Um, so I think we'll see them mix coverages depending on like Sharp or Claxton in there. I think that'll throw other teams possibly for a loop. They were a little too predictable on the defensive end. And if the personnel can just be, a little more set, I think, because we've definitely seen defensive gains in the recent games also, right? Yes. Like they've been, they've been better on defense. They've been hounding it a little bit better. They've been more connected um, just overall. Some of that's been like the matchups haven't been great, but overall, I think that's a good point that we sometimes kind of pass by is that this team was expected to sort of make its bones on defense. They really haven't, but they are setting up to be able to, I think over the final third of the season. Okay, now let's talk about the play-in tournament and officially trying to make the playoffs as one of the top eight seeds. Here's the hard part. Let's do it in 10-game chunks because obviously it breaks down pretty nicely for them. It's hard because they go out, they come out playing a home-and-home here starting on Tuesday night against the Boston Celtics. So I'm yeah. still going to paint a really optimistic picture or a positive picture I think they can achieve, but it's not going to start out great. I can't look at either one of those Boston matchups and say they go and win that. But the next 10 games, that one is at home against Boston. Then they go on the five-game road trip and come back for four straight at home that closes out with Atlanta twice, 
followed mm-hmm. by Memphis, followed by the Embiidless 76ers, who we've already seen them beat. These next 10 games, when you look at it, Boston, Boston, Toronto, Minnesota, Memphis, Orlando, double Atlanta, Memphis again, and the 76ers. They may lose these first two games, but when you look at that schedule, if they if they intend to make a run here, they have to beat Toronto. They probably have to beat Memphis twice, beat Atlanta twice. Those are critical. If you don't beat the, win those two games, it all goes down the tubes. And even the 76ers is a gettable game. They can come out of these 10 games no worse than six and four if they're playing good basketball. Yeah, I was gonna say six and four, and and I think you're, it's, it sucks to go maybe get spotted oh and, or down oh two to right. just to get out of the gate. Um, I think they can still be frisky against guys like teams like Boston too. But um, overall, after that, and I know they're gonna start off that second stretch of ten games with maybe it's gonna look even better for them. But mm-hmm. yeah, overall, I think six and four is there. It's gonna be tough because you know five of those games are on the road, and so I, that always makes it a little tougher. But I think six and four is totally reasonable to get out of that. And if they're two games over 500, then we're on our way to sort of because the next 10, I think we'll get to as you know, we work to close this out. It's the next 10 where you can look and be like, oh, there can be some work done here also. Now, here's the tricky part, right? As you say, next 10 games, only two of them will be at home, but at Detroit, at Charlotte, at Cleveland, at Orlando, at Indiana, they'll come home for the San Antonio Spurs, home for the Pelicans, who just uh, lost someone to injury, and Doug will clarify who that is, at Milwaukee, at New York, and then at Toronto. If you look through those 10 games, okay, the Knicks, the Bucks, you want to say even Orlando is a quality team. I think they're going to have a good back end of their season. Cleveland as well, but I can still chalk up another two, four, probably another six games so i can go through 20 games and say them going getting 12 wins across 20 games is very achievable and now you're on your way to get to that 37 mark that i think they need to hit yeah this looks like a five and five stretch for me too but maybe six and four gets a little harder at the back half like with you know new orleans new orleans just lost dyson daniels i don't think that's That's a huge uh, needle mover um milwaukee we'll see where they are like they've kind of been up and down there with doc New York obviously got a lot stronger. Toronto, it's going to be interesting to see where Toronto is at that point, right? Like in terms of like how motivated. Three times in these last 30 games. They are kind of a big factor here. Yeah, and their motivation could be like low uh, when we get to that point. Uh, it's going to be, it'll be interesting because right they're they're two games below the Nets now and they're, they might be like, hey, we're just going to try for some lottery seating here at this mm-hmm. point, right? Like, so I, they're, they're an interesting team that their motivations I think are going to be low. So um, I, I still think we're like on a 500 track through that stretch. Okay, so yeah, so maybe you say 12 wins, maybe Doug says 11, but we're right there. Final stretch, the big push, kicks off with, oh, baby, this is the juicy one at Washington. Oh, we'll take it all day long. Then you get against Chicago. If you think there's a chance there, you go look at their schedule. They have the 12th toughest remaining strength of schedule in the NBA right now, so Chicago may stumble a little bit, but they are a veteran-heavy team, even if not a deep playoff team. L.A., back uh, home and home against Indiana, Detroit the Kings, the Raptors again, then the Knicks, and they close out with the 76ers, of the, the Enigma team right now on the schedule. I would say out of the three stretches, in spite of having double Boston, this one is the hardest to kind of call here, right? Because the Lakers obviously want to compete. It's LeBron, it's Anthony Davis. The Knicks are playing good basketball. The Kings are, even the Pacers. I actually look at those two games, that home and home with the Pacers might end up being as big a factor as anything because they're they're there, they're gettable but you have to find a way to probably split those two to make this a 500 or another six and four end of the season stretch. Yeah, this is the hardest part. And I think I'll reserve even where of a prediction only because I'm just like, not sure where teams like the Pacers. I mean, like, cause those teams might be fighting to stay out of the plan right at that right. point. 
right? Like right. like the Pacers and the Sixers and um, you know, the Magic, they're kind of all bunched as a group. Even the Heat are kind of bunched in this group of I don't see New York falling this far, but the other ones I could. And so I could see a, a situation where the Sixers are trying to stay out of the plan, right? So they could be they could be fighting. And Knicks might the Knicks might have seating wrapped up at that point, right? Like yeah. late in the season. So a little hard to tell with this group. But overall, if you just look at it from sort of a bird's eye view, you can definitely paint a picture where 500, you know, 15 and 15 is is really within a, a range of expectation. And I think if you were going to trend on positive or negative, like if you set the over under at 15, let's say, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably would tr- trend toward the over, right. <laughs> Cause I think that I just think that they're going to be sort of somewhat more motivated than some of these other teams, which is something we've been banking on with this team all year that they're the, you know, the will to win might be higher than some of these other squads down the stretch. And we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. And I called, including the Spurs game, I said 17 wins is where I put them at, how you get to 37, obviously. But those those head-to-head matchups with Atlanta, just remember, DeJounte Murray was maybe getting traded. Trey Young's already being talked about where he's going to play next. You talk about motivation. None of the guys that are on the Brooklyn Nets right now are going anywhere. You know, the core guys, they are all here playing for success with the Brooklyn Nets. Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, if he's healthy, Cam Thomas, right? Even Ben Simmons, he's playing for everything in terms of his career and what the perception is going to be when he goes into an expiring 40 plus million dollar contract next season. So everything to play for there. And if they accomplish that goal of beating Atlanta, that's where I say we look down the back end of this thing, seven through 10, it's all right there. We know top two, seven and eight, you, you have two chances to win one game. You'll have to win two games to get over that hump. But I think the Nets get in there. I think it's probably Atlanta that goes out. And just as a reminder, those, those bottom teams, like you say, like, listen, I'll take a puncher's chance in a one or two games against any of those bottom squads. I think Orlando's obviously a clear little bit cut above here. Miami's been weird, but, but I, they can give some teams problems. And that makes it exciting for 30 games and saying, hey, you want to get into a one-off? Maybe we get to hang our hat on bouncing out a team that really thinks they could be playoff successful. And we just rip that away from them, which sounds like a lot of fun. All right, 30 games to go. Should be a fun last third or so of the season here. Remember, have a little fun by grabbing the free ebook about Nets stories from wegotnets.com. Totally free. Just go to put your email in, get five stories from the Nets franchise records. Uh, moments that are sometimes uh, fun to look back at, not so much, but really tell the story of this franchise. Go to wegotnets.com. Oh, there's no quote today. Just get the oh, job no. done, boys. Brooklyn Nets, let's ride into the play-in tournament. <laughs> Adam Arbor, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again after the game on Tuesday talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.